Welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and as always, you can check out everything we've got going on, and you can check out our new website over at blisterreview.com. Very few people are so good at what they do that they can have a film made about their life and their career while they are still in the middle of their career. But Eric Hurlison is one of those people, and this week I talked to Eric about the eponymous film, Hoji, that was produced by Scott Gaffney and Matchstick Productions. Eric and I talk about the tour he's been on for the film, how the idea for the film originated, and we even got Hoji to ruminate a little bit on what he thinks sets him apart as a skier. And I can very honestly tell you that everyone at Blister who has now seen the film has truly loved it. Our editor, Lou Coppa, basically wrote an unprompted glowing review of the film right after he saw it. And our own Sam Shaheen had his own much shorter two-word review after seeing the premiere in Boulder. To paraphrase Sam, he called it effing spectacular. As for me, well, you're going to hear in this conversation who I thought the real stars of the film were, but we would seriously encourage all of you to go catch the film tour if you can, and if you can't, well, then the film is set to come out on iTunes on December 12th. For more information about the film tour, you can go to skimovie.com and click the tour button on the nav bar, and we will also include a link to the tour dates in the show notes to this episode. Furthermore, in what has sort of become par for the course now, Eric and I ended up talking for about three and a half hours, and we both exercised a tremendous amount of self-control and held off on talking about gear in the first part of our conversation. And so what you are about to hear here focus on Eric's career and this film. But gear nerds, do not fear, we've got you covered. And tomorrow we're going to be dropping a Gear 30 episode where you can tune in to hear Eric talk about his new Hoji Freeboot, as well as the latest iteration of his ski, the Forefront Renegade. Anyway, for those of you who already know, we don't need to tell you why Hoji is one of our favorite skiers and favorite people. And for those of you who don't already know, well then just sit back and listen, and then seriously, go see this film. And with that introduction out of the way, ladies and gentlemen, here is Hoji. Eric, how are you? Uh, I'm doing very well, thank you, Jonathan. How are you doing? I'm doing well, too. Well, man, you have been busy and, uh, and traveling a ton, right? Oh, yeah. No, it's... Uh, I mean, I feel... I'm, I'm not pumped on my uh, carbon global carbon footprint. <laughs> hmm. um, but I mean, with this uh, film project and the opportunity to kind of respond to a lot of uh, long standing invitations to go to different uh, areas, different countries and different film festivals, um, you know, it was just something I had, I feel like it's kind of a, a once in a lifetime opportunity. So hmm. I just basically said yes to a bunch of people who've been kind of tracking me down over the years and uh put put it actually was like about i don't know at least a month of organizing just to try and piece it all together so things could uh could work out i'm not surprised to hear that at all i mean it seems like you've really been getting around and um i'm curious to know like what's been your favorite stop on the tour so far 
Uh, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say I have, I mean, we just did two nights ago, the Whistler show, and that was a double screening Hmm. and tons of local kids and all families, you know, a bunch of friends that have kids and uh, different people that we know and kids that Jen, uh, my wife is coached and yeah, obviously a lot of good friends, Maddie was here and uh, Hmm. Maddie Richard and Mm -hmm. Mark Abma and James Heim. And, um, that was a super fun event and the crowd I would say was the loudest uh I sat in for the second screening the late show and um yeah it was a huge response so hmm. yeah Kai was around like there's just it was just such a group of uh of awesome friends and the the Whistler community Whistler Pemberton and a bunch of folks from Arcteryx too and Dina Fit and yeah hmm. it just <laughs> it was wild but I mean the same can be said for uh previously um I, w- I attended the banff film festival and uh the hoji film was part of the the snow show the kind of winter sport action sports night it was actually halloween and uh yeah that that was a sold out huge uh theater the eric harvey theater and same kind of thing like a lot of long time uh local friends and family members and my parents, my grandmother, and hmm. uh, yeah, that crowd was pretty pumped too because there's a lot of uh, a lot of content in the film that's yeah. really based based around that area. So um, they got to see <laughs> see their home home zone uh, exposed on the big screen. So yeah, hmm. fun. Um, but yeah, even I mean, I've gone over to Europe a few different places, and over in Athens, that was the uh, the adventure uh, film festival in Athens was uh, a really excellent show as well and really cool to see like a totally different culture the the greek guys and guys and gals out that are you know mountain action sports aren't really huge in their in their heritage but uh there's certainly some some people there that are are really into it and promoting it and uh yeah just having a few days in athens to really check it all out uh with a limited time frame of course was uh, fantastic yeah that's the that was the stop i saw that i was the most jealous of <laughs> i have not been to greece i am dying to go sometime and and like you say i've actually met several people um who keep just talking up the ski scene in Greece. And, you know, they all say, look, it's it's not the biggest thing in the country, but there are some passionate folks over there who who really love their skiing. So I'm I'm somehow trying to figure out at some point how to make my pilgrimage to Greece and see the old philosophical stomping grounds, but then also to kind of check out this this ski scene they got going over there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's um, a couple of the guys I was hanging out with were showing me, you know, some pretty decent POV, um, little clips of pretty endless, uh, tree skiing, actually. I was blown away. Hmm. And, uh, I mean, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's in the shadows of the Alps because they're, they're right there and they're such, you know, huge mountains, the Alps, Dolomites, everything. They've got glaciers and stuff. So Greece is kind of, you know, it's just a little bit lower and people just don't know it as well. And it's kind of interesting, like just the Greeks in general, they never, it's not like the Alpine countries and in the rest of Europe there where like their whole culture, Austria's culture is based on skiing most of it. Yeah. So the Greeks kind of, they're more 
easygoing. They like the sea. They, you know, like they're the mountains are for farmers and just avoid them when it's snowing. I think is kind of how how their culture was. But yeah, there's there's certainly some really uh, passionate people that are skiing uh, a ton over there. I I feel like uh, one of these times I I certainly want to because it it's really it's not that bad to to go down there when you know, when you're already in Europe in, in the Alps. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to go down there with Fritz and hang out, hang out with our buddy Jorgis, who's kind of the, the ringleader, the, 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 uh, kind of, he's the mastermind of this, uh, underground Greek ski touring community. And he's really good friends with, uh, Fritz. So that's <laughs> kind of, that's, that's how I ended up going there is, um, Jorgis has been extending the invitation for, for a couple years already, like, Hey, we have this, uh, adventure film festival and we'd love to, you know, bring you down and, and come check it out. And, um, yeah, this, everything just aligned and we're able to s- squeeze it in. And I'm certainly glad that we did. Hmm, that's cool. So when did the idea for this movie originate? Yeah, I, I would say the, the real, the spark that started the fire came from Scott Gaffney and he, you know, had been making those kind of comments like, Hey, we just have so much classic good footage of, mm-hmm. from all these years. And maybe we should consider, you know, like it would be awesome to just throw it all together and make like this action packed, like kind of, um, archival based footage film. It would be, mm-hmm. you know, pretty, pretty easy to do kind of thing. Um, and I mean, I guess the guy's, kind of the the owners of matchstick uh Stephen Murray liked the sound uh, liked the sound of that idea and so we kind of started talking about it and it was actually only a year ago like just over a year ago hmm. um I was I was over um in in Austria actually doing the Dinafit kind of uh sales meeting launch of the Hoji boot and I was having uh lengthy FaceTime conversations with murray weiss about like hey let's uh see if we can make this happen and um obviously for me uh i i i like the idea of getting all that footage out again and 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 having having it uh presented to the world in one in one film um because it has been spanning about 15 years so it's kind of scattered all over the place um and obviously with the timing of, of all, all the latest development with the ski boot. And there was just certain things that certain things that were happening in my life that I, I thought could be, um, you know, uh, implemented or, or whatever these stories could be told in, in a film like this. So, and that's kind of uh, obviously how, uh, how to, how we were able to get uh Dina fit on board with, with this kind of thing. Cause it's, you know, com- something completely different than their, they're used to for marketing campaigns um, just from a European perspective. So, Hmm. but yeah, we just, we started, started the ball rolling and uh, it just all kind of uh, organically developed from there. And in the end it turned into something that I don't think any of us really were thinking it would be (laughs) in those early stages. You know, I was kind of just thinking like, okay, yeah, we'll have, a lot of action and kind of build up and we could go year for year and however we want to do it. And maybe like this, the skis and boots and all the, the product development gets worked in there towards the end. But, uh, 
know, Gaffney really dug in and, and he was uh, super motivated to like really kind of find out who, you know, we've been friends for many years, but he, like we, we sat down, did many lengthy phone call interview style things um, back and forth on, on word documents. Just like I, he, he asked me everything and we just kind of built, uh, built out a life, hmm. a life map. <laughs> and yeah. then, yeah, he kind of went to town and um, started putting it all together in his head. And obviously it evolved the more, the more footage we got, the trips that came out of it. And, you know, initially we're, I was really only thinking we would do the one trip to Century Lodge in January with all, you know, the friends and family yeah, and the kind of characters. That was a, a theme that through our, our discussions and kind of interviews and planning, um, one of the things I, I felt was a good topic and something important to portray in the film is just like, I mean, the, my life as a skier in this career is a super fortunate, amazing opportunity. And really, I see it was only possible with all the people who really helped me and mentors and parents and things like that. So I, I wanted to incorporate that and those characters into the story. And that's how we started planning that, that first trip to Century in January. Hmm. No, it's, it's fantastic. And honestly, that was actually some of my favorite stuff in the film. So, you know, look, we do a lot of reviews, right? So <laughs> here, here's, here's, my, here's my review of the Hoji film. Um, my my favorite, uh, favorite people in the film, number one, your parents, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are my clear, it's a, it's a co-award. But yeah, your, your parents are my favorite. And then... Uh, and I think it is great. And I, I think that everything that you just said so well, I mean, where we get to, you know, we see this guy Hoji and we know about the boot and we know about your ski stuff and we see you in these films, but like getting a chance to take it all the way back to the start. And honestly, like hearing your parents just talk about parenting philosophies. I mean, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, I was like, these are these are cool people. Yeah, no, I I feel uh, extremely fortunate to have uh, such a fantastic family, and yeah, parents have have been nothing but supportive um, and encouraging, but not overbearing and not like pushing me. Um, but yeah, just their 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 style was you know let let the the boys do try everything and see what they like, and if they like something and they're having fun, then we'll try and you know, facilitate that for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was, <laughs> it was excellent to, that, that they were able to, to be involved. And I mean, the second trip of the film that, or of, of filming last season was uh, kind of an improv. Uh, hey, okay, we have some time here. What are we going to do? I was like, well, how about we just because uh, we we had very very little budget. This is a very low budget film, just due to the nature of of having only a couple title sponsors and no like out of industry energy drink or you know something. A lot of the the big films that come out have have some pretty heavy hitting sponsorship behind them. So mm-hmm. this was just like very <laughs> quick and dirty, let's say. Um, but I was like, yeah, well, why don't we? just go hang out with my folks and 
in Canmore there and see what we can do. And um, that way we, we're kind of getting their, you know, shots of them. And mm. we actually had like us all skiing together and going to mount. There's a whole other chapter that we unfortunately had to uh, cut out of the film because it's already such a lengthy <laughs> uh, film. Um, but yeah, we, we just kind of hung out there. Gaffney came and hmm. he just really like hung out. He stayed, we all stayed at my folks house and he started digging through. Luckily, you know, my dad was kind of into, uh, recording stuff on those old camcorders. So Gaffney just started digging through about 40 of those mini DV tapes uh -huh. and going through them in the evenings and writing everything down and time codes and he eventually left there, I believe, with like 26 or 27 of them. They're sitting in my living room now. And uh, the ones where he found kind of what he thought could be good moments. And then he took them with him back down to Tahoe and uh, went through all of them like in length and and really found the gold nuggets that, that we had all forgotten about or had no idea if it had been re-recorded or if the tape's been lost and uh yeah, he just did a wonderful job of like sifting through it. That's hundreds of hours um, to find those like, you know, five to ten epic little moments that that are that tell the <laughs> tell the story perfectly. So a, a big, huge thank you and appreciative, you know, like appreciation to him and his passion and work at work ethic. Um, and then yeah, we, he digitized them, got them all transferred. So. Hmm. Um, now that's I'm gonna next time I head head out that way I'm gonna bring uh, return the tapes and I have a, a nice uh, thumb drive with with everything on it so hmm. and and Gaffney has a like a page basically a, a document with all what's on the tapes and when it is and yeah pretty amazing hmm. it's a, a gift for yeah. for my folks. <laughs> Yeah, no, and it's and I think I mean frankly like for all of us I think to it it really is something else and I mean damn Gaffney is good at this, right? Like but but presenting, presenting a life. And um I think that's really what this is and I mean it almost feels like it goes without saying, but to see this sustained deep passion for skiing, you know, and like literally video documented evidence of this um from the early days, um, you know, to the present, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're, we're lucky. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So after your parents, I think, I think my second favorite person in the film was probably Chris Rubens because I think Chris is just one of my favorite people. So I'm, and I'm in on any film that Chris appears a lot in. Uh, so but it was good to it was good to see like I didn't know that part of the story that like that history goes way back. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I mean the fact that Gaffney exactly found those old sh old shots of us uh together and yep. going on a podium and yeah, like it it was amazing to one of the first time I was able to rewatch that with him hmm. um when I was down in Tahoe cuz I had no idea like you know, like I was, we were just kids and I know, yeah. I, I remember my dad had cameras and things like that, but I mean, I, I'd never seen those shots. I had no idea that they huh. were there. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, obviously it's, it's been a life, lifelong, uh, friendship pretty much hmm. since we were young teenagers. And, mm -hmm. uh, 
no, it's just super cool that that um yeah, those shots existed and and that can, you know, then then the viewers can actually see <laughs> how far back we we uh go. Yeah. In putting this together, this film together, and as you've been, you know, talking about this film or doing a lot of questions and answers about the uh, the film, I I presume, what have been the primary takeaways? Um, well, I guess I mean the main thing is just like yeah, the appreciation for the the drive and the work and the vision of of Scott Gaffney to to like exactly go from being you know friends and work associates to like digging through. <laughs> everything to do with your life and um it was just fantastic to arrive in tahoe for the final kind of push to finish the film and and watch him he had he had already had most of the there was about 20 segments that he had already somehow you know put together roughly and then my involvement was just kind of finishing off a few of the last ones helping and, and looking through everything and then watching him. Like I, I went, I went to town and bought a big whiteboard and I was trying to like organize it all and, and understand how it would all go together. Cause it was all just in his head. He was just like, he had it all, he had the vision in his head and he had it all laid out and <laughs> I needed a visual aid just to understand where, you know, how he was keeping track of all this stuff. And it's my life. I should know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess, I mean, that's my biggest takeaway is just the appreciation for, hmm. for the work that he did. Um, hmm. I get, I don't know what else. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's just been a fun. I I also have really enjoyed that, you know, it was kind of a loosely planned idea and it evolved as it was going um as we got what we could get and i mean i i think that's kind of i really enjoy that process um and who knows maybe the takeaway is um you know maybe i want to in the future be involved more on the uh the production side of of these kind of films and projects hmm. um because up until this point i never really had that you know, we were planning trips and helping with logistics and hiring people and figuring it all out. But this was on a much greater scale for me, the the level of involvement and what, you know, just seeing what it takes to, to put it all together. Hmm. Talking about ski movies in general, you have a favorite ski movie of all time? Uh, I mean, I I have many and, and they span back like that was another... Uh, something that was an absolute dream and pleasure and was like came down to the absolute last minute to be able to do it but uh I just I really wanted to utilize some of uh Andrew Shepard's mm -hmm. classic footage from the mid 90s there hmm. because those were the moments those films like I have the VHSs still and like that's what really those were like the beginning for me of, of really like, Hey, we can, there's like skiing outside of racing and there's jumps and there's tricks and there's, you can go ski in the mountains and powder. And like, you know, as a young teenager at that point, there just wasn't that, that wasn't available. There wasn't terrain parks. There wasn't, you know, matchstick had just started making films. Like no one really knew 
there'd been Greg Stomp and, and those guys, but that was even already a little bit older and and I don't know if I if those were available in the local video store where we used to rent these things. <laughs> and I mean it was also really cool that that company Rap Films was based in Calgary and all of their films had segments at Sunshine and Lake Louise and all the local hmm. you know places where I could actually go skiing. Mm-hmm. And P- and you know Andrew was the guy who who was uh from there um as kind of the local he became one of the the star players and I mean those films are really good. They started um, that's where I was exposed to, uh, Trevor Peterson and Eric Peota and Kirk Jensen. And yeah, like there's some other just amazing Canadian, um, kind of pioneers of, of, of professional skiing, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I would have, yeah, it would have been nice to have every, like more, even more of that. And some of those other characters, of course, um, and actually feel not badly, but it, it's like, I wish I could have, yeah, even told more of that story. Hmm. Um, but yeah, to, to get that, to, to contact uh, James Angrove and then like, it was like coming down to like, we need this footage. And he, he actually was very helpful and rushed the, the master beta tape to a professional place in Vancouver and they, they transferred it and uploaded it and we were able to down, like it all happened within an, you know, two day span. And it was like the absolute last day that we could get, get that footage to utilize it, to put it in the film. But, uh, (laughs) that was something that I, uh, I hope that, you know, the, the other kind of people my age that grew up with that kind of stuff were were excited to, to Hmm. see, (laughs) to see a couple of those old shots. Like there wasn't a lot in the film, but, uh, yeah, it was important. Yeah, and, um, and and it's super super effective too. I mean, with again credit to Gaffney. I mean, juxtaposing you know mm-hmm. footage of Andrew and then cut to footage of you, and and I, I thought it was really great and a nice way to pay pay homage. You know. Yeah, to- and and to to continue on that theme, like he another one of the great you know kind of the first matchstick film I probably ever saw. That's Sixth Sense. Um, you know, like he built that whole segment, like the shots of me jumping as a kid and mm. like exactly in a sequence with the the guys, you know, Douglas and JP and JF and the new uh, Canadian Air Force. Um, and when I showed up and he just had that all laid out, I was like, this is like, and to the original song from Six Cent, Six yep. Sense, uh, <laughs> it was just like, man, this is, I'm so pumped right now. This is like, <laughs> you just did this such a good like did such justice to this. And, hmm. um, and part of it for, for me personally was, um, exactly. I mean, those films now, some it's almost 20 years ago or more. And, uh, I hope that that kind of the story, a little bit of a his, history lesson for maybe the younger people who might watch the Hoji film and, and kind of, it's not like in-depth history but it kind of it has like a bit of a recap of like how much the sport has changed and Hmm. and what's gone on and I mean obviously McConkie could have a whole segment in there as well because that's the other side of it and Hugo Harrison like there's just been so many amazing uh standout performances on in those films from many years ago that I mean that's those are the ones I remember because I watched them so many times and they were like groundbreaking for me. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. 
If you're looking at all the footage that's been assembled for over the years, what is your favorite segment? If you could only keep one. Uh, I mean, one of probably one of my favorite ones. And I think because it's, it's the only one that I don't have hmm. <laughs> on my computer, I, I need to get it from the, the guys. Um, but one of my favorite performances that I was the star of would have been like the claim uh, bonus edit that I, I made with Gaffney. Hmm. 10 years ago or whenever that was. Um, and it's like uh, seven minutes long or something. Um, but it, it just, that year was, uh, I feel like kind of when it really came together, I mean, I think that's, that was like the performance that, that showed kind of, we had the big jumps, we had cool, like kind of pillow. It was kind of the beginning of the pillow skiing for me. Like when mm -hmm. I really, when it clicked and, and started uh, making sense of how to how to negotiate that terrain. Plus, it was the year of uh, the original like EHP one night or one eighty six with mm -hmm. it wasn't fully rockered, but it had like kind of neutral camber and like a symmetrical thirty centimeter length tip and tail with taper, and that kind of like that ski kind of laid the foundation for all the skis that I've developed since then, and and it really allowed me to to ski in a way. Like it just changed how I could ski. Um, so I, I think back to that one is like a very, I'm, I'm very fond of it. And also the fact that I don't have it, I'm always trying to mm. find it online to show or to <laughs> look at. I'm like, I need to get that segment. <laughs> I would like to hopefully, um, it depends on time and budget and stuff too, but that's one of my goals for the the Hoji film would be that we, we could also offer, you know, like each of those, because I, Pretty much every year um, that I worked with Matchstick, I would make a point of going down and visiting Scott or the guys in Crested Butte and, mm -hmm. and building like a bonus athlete edited segment. So it'd be cool to to somehow connect those to this project um, so people could, you know, as, as extras or whatever, see, you know, revisit the original the original yearly edits kind of thing would be pretty fun. And there's also a lot of... I mean, we cut out already uh, from from the final film as it's already a, an hour and 15 minutes long plus credits. Um, when Gaffney first laid it all on the line for the first time, we were like well over uh, an hour and a half and without the credits, which are another few minutes. So mm -hmm. there's quite a bit of content in segments um, that with with uh, if we have time and the budget to, to finish them, um, there could be some pretty, I think some nice, like kind of bonus material as well, like of new, new edits, yep. um, that kind of flush out some of the, the stories and go into more detail. Like, yeah, obviously in the film, it would have been amazing, but it, you just can't, uh, it's already so like every time I watch it now, I'm like, Oh, if we just had like another two weeks to really like go in there with a scalpel and, and, uh, tighten everything and. Because my my biggest fear with the film is always I'm like oh it's just too long people are going to mm. be bored and <laughs> no um, yeah so okay well, yeah. we need to make the yeah we need to make the director's cut the Ho mm -hmm. Hoji, Hoji's cut this needs yeah. to happen <laughs> yeah yeah well I think hopefully if the film I think it, it does well and is popular I I don't know what the uh, yeah what the strategy or what what's involved but uh, um I mean I'm open keep keep talking to the boys at matchstick and see mm -hmm. what can be done but uh it, it's all about you need someone to 
you need Gaffney's time and effort and you need the the budget to to uh you know do the color correction and the sound correction and post processing and all that kind of stuff so it just takes time and money yep what trait of yours as a skier do you think has been the key to your success or that sets you apart a bit from other skiers uh <laughs> i mean yeah that's that's a tough one. i think i mean it's just i think the film kind of shows it's just like the dedication and the the passion for skiing combined with uh not just like considering yourself a certain kind of skier or person. It's, I think what's helped me is just like evolving through skiing and just kind of always gravitating towards something that I'm interested in and, and see potential that maybe I can get good at this style of skiing or whatever it is, this, you know, being involved with equipment or like, and it's all just been very organic and, and, uh, certainly not forced like I just feel like I've fallen into it but that's kind of like the the gift that skiing has given me is the it's just given me this uh passion in life and this direction and it's not like set in stone oh I have to be the best jibber I have to do this or I have to straight line this thing it's always just like kind of evolving um so I don't know if that makes sense but maybe that's something that a character trait that that has uh, allowed me uh, with a combination of a lot of big breaks and good luck and people helping me <laughs> yeah. to, to have this career, I guess. Can I, can I run my answer by you? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. I think it's balance. Oh, yeah. I think, I don't know, my, my brain shuts down watching your pillow line segments. Like that's <laughs> that's when it just, I'm like, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> and and that is, I think, watching this again, I'm like, that is the thing. Like, to ski pillows as fast as you ski them, where you're just getting basically bucked, it's like running a gauntlet in football of, like, everyone just trying to tackle you and, like, breaking tackles. And, like, the lower body is just, you're you're jumping on top of stuff that you can't see. You have to absorb. You have to be quick and... And and I just thought that the the number one quality or characteristic is balance. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> well, <I'm> um, not, <laughs> well, I mean, it's like well, what you know? And I mean, there have been I, still. I think it was um, we talked about this before, but I I think it's an attack of La Nina. One mm. of my favorite things is where Mark Abma, who is amazing, right? As he was talking, I think about watching you ski pillow lines. Mm-hmm. And he just was like, dude, it just looked like video game mode. And so that, <laughs> it just got me thinking about like, well, okay, well, what's, what's different here? And watching the movie Hoji again is I think that that maybe is if we had to try to start dialing into traits beyond just, yes, a dedication and a passion for the sport, that there is a remarkable a physical balance that lets you get away with stuff where it's like, you know, n- normal people would have been like, yeah, I would have been dead there and then hit that tree and then fallen off that. So I wonder if that resonates. Yeah, no, it, it does. It's a, a great compliment. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I mean, I think I, I would attribute 
somehow this the style or the the body position is what leads to that you know being very centered and being neutral stanced um it's kind of been a theme with my ski design and that's like when i previously was mentioning with claim like uh having those those old ehps which are very you know they were the kind of early version of the hoji um but it was the forward mounting point and the symmetrical length of tip and tail Mm -hmm. and it just allowed instead of for years you know growing up ski racing and and skiing on 195s when i was a teenager and even 200s and always like stiff boots mounted so far back it was like that realization that to actually be more balanced and more centered on your ski and like it's counterintuitive in powder you would think well you don't want to be too forward because you're just going to go over the bars but Mm -hmm. it just kind of was an adaptation of of how i had learned how to ski and i had to change my technique but the result uh was quite beneficial i would say (laughs) yeah it's and and it's it's been the skis like i wonder it'd be interesting like if if you had a parallel universe and i was just you know took took the different path the alternate path which was at times very uh you know it looked desirable and and there was definitely benefits and you know of just signing on to a big brand and and just getting what you get and skiing on it and um but i think i i do believe highly that that being involved in building the skis how i wanted to ski and how i thought like being able to try things and really like dial it in um that's contributed to to my technique and my skiing ability in a huge way and uh it's what started my whole passion for for gear um modification or improvements Mm because once you know i remember building those first really going to seattle on the vashon island there and building the very first renegade prototypes uh in december i believe it was and then flying up to haynes in uh february with with pettit um hmm. and and abma and then and then you're standing on these alaskan spines and doing all this stuff on skis that you've made by hand and suddenly they're like they weren't perfect they were too soft but like i had moments of glory where i'm just like yes this is with this full rocker and the way it's working and just yeah i was i was instantly hooked and um <laughs> yeah hmm. i'm very very uh happy that it that it worked out the way it did. <laughs> mm-hmm. So balance, obviously hugely important. If anybody's going to be skiing pillow lines like this, quickness is a very much related component. But the the third one that I was thinking was just, just vision, right? Like yeah. an, an ability to see and an ability to see more clearly or anticipate better. And I agree. I, I would agree with you completely. And what I would call it is visualization. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually a skill that I learned ski racing all those 20 years ago or more. Hmm. Um, because that, I mean, that was such a component of the actual race was visual inspection and really trying to understand like, where you need to be memorizing certain gates, certain roles, like what's coming. And, uh, and these kind of those early years and those skills and developing that just, I mean, that 
was equally as beneficial as just learning technically how, you know, like having a coach and learning how to ski, um, when it came to start filming lines. Um, and it's really, I mean, it wasn't like I was just naturally, I could just do everything and ski everything. And, you know, like there was a lot of learning involved, but because I had kind of that previous experience with visualizing where I needed to be and how, you know, like how the terrain is kind of dictating what, how you can go through it. It, it really helped. And yeah, just after a few years of really trying to film lines, you like build up an experience base of like, Hmm. you understand how certain terrain works and how you can negotiate it. And that's basically like picking your lines and and being able to visualize like yourself doing it. (laughs) Hmm. Um, And that's always, people are always asking, you know, like, especially maybe general public or whatever they're like do you just like jump into your do you just go ski those lines and just like wingling a ding it or and it's like no like really it's it's a hundred percent visualization and and like having a a very good plan and a very good idea of of what you want to do um that allows you to ski in these ways and that was i mean the big part of the evolution of skiing pillows and ski touring in pillows was was that's when it all clicked because you have so much time to really like you're not going far you're in that area you're really you feel the snow up and down and you get so many perspectives and time to really um plan it Hmm. so yeah that and that is then just to just to clarify that's a little different then i mean so if i said is is it vision in effect, I'd take that you said it's not necessarily vision, it's visualization, right? Mm-hmm. Vision would it, vision would imply that if you and I walked up on a line, you would somehow just see everything with more <laughs> clarity than I would. And and what what it sounds like you're saying is actually this this is addressed in the film. You've already taken pictures. You've already stood on these lines a number of times and scoped them from the bottom and walked up among them, right? And it's it's that by the time you're dropping, you this is recorded. It's recorded in your brain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, vision, I mean, I don't think I have the greatest vision. My eyes aren't always perfect. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it is part of the uh the pleasure or the the satis satisfaction of, of skiing lines is like when you're really dropping in and like when you're really skiing at a high level and pushing your abilities like what you're capable of doing everyone always says it you know time slows down like you're seeing things at like 100 frames a second or something like it's really like i have so many moments hundreds of moments from all these years where i can just close my eyes and see exactly it's like burnt into your brain it's just like you've your body was so constant it was concentrating so hard and so focused it just like that like it just absorbs it in such a with such clarity <laughs> it's kind of neat hmm. Hmm. there's probably a whole science behind that yeah i mean the the whole flow state mm-hmm. conversation yeah, i think exactly hmm. we got to talk about the end of the film okay this is the only part where i think you upset both uh sam shaheen and luke kappa our, our guys here at blister because it, they both felt like the film felt a little too final. Mm-hmm. And we're, they were like, wait a minute. 
is he is he uh are we gonna like cryogenically freeze him now and like is he gonna... <laughs> i mean obviously the film is sort of a recap and yet from an outside perspective it sure seems like well you don't exactly seem like you're slowing down no yeah that was <laughs> that was a message that we had to put in there because yeah i'm not this wasn't like a retirement party or something yeah. it was just it was kind of it goes back to like the beginning of our conversation when when Gaffney was kind of, you know, starting planting the seed for this project. Um, that was one of not a hesitation, but I was like, well, you know, I'm I'm not planning on on stopping yet. Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, but it was also it was just like, yeah, here's an opportunity. Let's uh, like I said, I want to get this this all this classic footage out in one place for people to check out and. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's just, if they're motivated, if Matchstick's motivated and we can, you know, Dina, get Dina Fit and Arcteryx on board, uh, we should just take this, take this opportunity and do it. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it's, it's all part of like, it, it's kind of, I was, the whole final segment, the evolution of that was, uh, I mean, a, a couple weeks, I believe, before I was scheduled to go down to visit Gaffney, he was like, hey, what do you think? Uh, I just watched this super amazing documentary on Leonard Skinner and hmm. the song Free Bird. And like, he just, it for him, he had this vision. He's like, I just want to close out the movie with nine minutes of banger action from 15 years. <laughs> He's like, no, who else can do that? It's like a statement hmm. and it's like a reward to the fans. Hmm. And uh, I was, yeah, totally supportive, but I was also a little bit reserved or had reservations on on that particular song because it is such a classic and it everyone has in North America especially has like they remember the Hollywood movies that they saw it in they remember someone's memorial or someone's wedding or like it's just such a it's an amazing song that but everyone already has some kind of emotional not everyone but a huge percentage of people I would say have some kind of emotional memory or connection to that song somehow if they like it or not (laughs) um but yeah once i mean it was really it was really amazing to it was like gaffney's reward you know we i'd been there for a few days and we'd hammered everything and we started putting all this stuff on the line and and he's like yeah i've been saving this this is like my he was so excited. He's just like, Oh yeah, now it's time for Freebird. And we just stayed up <laughs> like till two or three in the morning. And he was just like hammering boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, Oh, what about this shot? I had my, my computer beside his, hmm. his editing station. And I, I was just going through all my old athlete segments and all my POV stuff. And like, we, I, I was like, Oh man, we're in the fusion zone now. Like our brains are one. Cause we just kept, we would be like, kind of talking but not really coherent because we were both so focused on finding things and it was late and uh there was so many times we would arrive like both of our screens at the same time boom the same shots and uh it was so enjoy like it was it was a rush it was like it just felt like we could have kept doing that forever um Hmm. and it was amazing to see him work and to see him like just have so much fun and of course after after doing that, after completing that, I was like, okay, this, it has to be in there. If if we can get the music rights to it, like we can't, they can't take this away from Gaffney. <laughs> it was like, it was like his reward for doing the project. And um, yeah, I mean, it was, I, I really like it, but 
there is that because the way the song is how it's laid out it i mean it feels like it's the end (laughs) that's what it's about (laughs) i well so this is this is clearly what needs to happen and i love that story i love that it that it i love viewing this now and this will make sam and luke feel better that this is this was for scott yeah and I, i think that's great but i also think then we just need to tell gaffney we are dropping 35 years from now we'll drop hoji part two <laughs> right yeah and you know this is and this is i think you know so pressure's on you you need to go live a really interesting life uh over these next 35 years but um <laughs> but i think the cool thing about this film is actually as you were talking i was sitting here thinking like you know what wouldn't that be sweet to to imagine hoji part two dropping in 35 years where it's like this is actually more interesting than part one. <laughs> hey, yeah, I mean that's a that's a big ask. That's a huge task because uh, <laughs> the first thirty five years have been, been pretty good, pretty insane, <laughs> and yeah, just I can't stress how fortunate I feel to hmm. have had it's all come together this way. And I mean, unscripted, unscripted, like that's, hmm. I mean, everyone's life, but kind of I like uh it's fun to think about like the beginning of of the story of of skiing and trying like looking into like doing that as a job or professionally it was it was kind of neat because it, at that time like that didn't really that wasn't a tangible it wasn't really it was just in its infancy of like becoming something that you could actually do as a as a person and <laughs> and somehow make a a career out of it so mm-hmm. Well, we are going to sort of wrap here, like after this question, because we have done an incredible job, you and I, of really not just jumping down a gear rabbit hole on this. Um, <laughs> and so we are actually going to save all of the, this gear conversation. We'll, we're going to run the, that as a Gear 30 podcast. But I guess to end, I really like this idea about there needs to be a Hoji Part 2 and and it needs to be good and interesting and you need to keep doing compelling stuff. And so that sort of begs the question, if you got to choose what your life was going to look like five years from now or say 10 years from now, you just get to pick it. What oh, do you think boy. that might look like? Uh, I mean, if everything, if, if everything fell into place and, and went, uh, extremely well i mean the first thing is i really hope the world calms down a little bit and we get a a handle on on our uh consumption and pollution that's and i mean i'm as guilty as anyone i just flew all over the world and made a film about flying around in helicopters Hmm. (laughs) um so that's tough but i feel like we're we're getting close to a point where it just has to happen um So that's important for everyone to actually think about and and try and consider putting some effort into, as cliche as it sounds. Um, But yeah, I hope that, you know, the sport of skiing will continue to be something that's interesting for people. And I I really do like the evolution of of more human-powered adventure and, and, uh, you know, ski touring. And I really hope the industry can 
can kind of also provide the back end for the the people getting into it and and have a have more kind of focus on on getting people to to learn about it and and uh become educated and and competent and not just sell them a bunch of nice stuff that they go out there and have no idea what's going on <laughs> um but yeah, I, I, I would really like to continue on this path of uh, of product development and mm-hmm. just trying to improve the sport. And I mean, hopefully, as I continue to ski, and I'll I'll find I'll I'll keep evolving as a skier and find new things and new techniques and new ways. And and who knows, maybe it's it becomes to a point where. I'm, I'm also like, I'm, I'm going to have to start working with the the youth, the people coming up, the new, the athletes that are skiing in ways I could never even imagine. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe that's part of it. Um, But yeah, I would really like to continue uh, on that path because I feel like it's, uh, it's something I'm, I'm just compelled to do. I really enjoy it. Um, I enjoy the results that come from it and uh, the process. And I think it's a way, a very tangible way uh, for me to remain working in the ski industry without just getting long in the tooth trying to film powder turns while there's kids out there doing triple corks off everything. And I, I don't want to become that guy. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I hope I hope that that continues. And I mean, obviously, to keep filming and and uh, for as long as I'm relevant and people enjoy watching what I do or can do. <laughs> hmm. Um, and I, as I kind of said, maybe this, this experience of, of this kind of being the first real like film project where I've been involved with uh, on almost every aspect and really, you know, in a way kind of producing it and, and seeing it through. And maybe this is another chapter. Like I do, I do feel like that, that might be something that that also is in my future as, as far as like maybe there'll be some some future film projects that aren't just based on my very fortunate life but uh, but hmm. other issues and other characters and um yeah maybe that's something I'll find myself uh you know gravitating to or towards hmm. um you never know <laughs> you, ne- you never know it's true well hey listen i have really appreciated talking with you about this film and people need to go see it. I think it is really good just kind of as a biopic, which I always think is great when a, when a ski movie can really be appreciated from the point of view, like whether you care about skiing or not. And I think again, you know, credit to you for putting together a a life well lived Uh, credit to your parents and uh, credit to Gaffney for for stitching it all together but like i said those of us who've seen it we are all big fans of this film and certainly uh would encourage everybody to to go check it out for themselves well excellent thank you <laughs> yeah i'm happy i'm you know i'm it's really it's sinking in now after after being on tour and being in so many different areas and venues and and it, it overall has had a, a pretty positive um, response from audiences. And, uh, so that's, that's satisfying. That means hopefully, yeah, they really enjoyed watching it and they, maybe they learned something or it was interesting, or maybe they just enjoyed the good skiing, um, and the few funny jokes, but <laughs> there's, there's a lot, we should say there is a lot of laughing 
and a lot of moments that cause a lot of laughter. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. So yeah, even if you just need a good laugh, this this film delivers on that front too, for sure. Well, hey, man, listen, thanks. And now you and I are going to sort of turn the page. So if anybody wants to now get into the um, a little more nitty gritty on the gear front, we're going to sign off here. But Eric and I are going to continue the conversation and you will be able to check that out over on the Gear 30 podcast. Those of you who aren't gear nerds, you're welcome because we stayed away from it for this part. It was hard. It was hard. <laughs> now, gold, yeah. Now we gold, get our reward to nerd out for a while. <laughs> gold, gold star to, to me and you. So, yeah. um, all right. Well, hey, Eric. Um, uh, I'm going to talk to you in just a second here. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. Right, thank you, and thank everyone uh, for tuning in. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you on the Gear Thirty. Catch the, you on the Gear for the Nerd Talk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Eric for the conversation. And go to skimovie.com to check out the many upcoming tour dates for the film. And mark your calendars for December 12th when the Hoji film becomes available online. And don't forget to check out our Gear 30 podcast feed tomorrow because we will be dropping part two of this conversation with Hoji, and you are going to get to hear him talk about his brand new boot, the Hoji Free, and the testing process he went through to get to this latest iteration of the Forefront Renegade. Thanks also to Luke Alley for producing this episode, and if you are enjoying these conversations, then please take 30 seconds just to leave us a little rating in iTunes, and we will then talk to you again very soon. Take care, everybody.